The Tunnel to Towers Foundation has been helping America's heroes and their families since 9-11. Hero first responders and service members who serve our communities and our country. Those who die in the line of duty or are catastrophically injured. Veterans who fought for our nation's freedom only to return home, fall on tough times, and become homeless. Heroes like Buffalo, New York firefighter Jason Arno and his family. Arno was killed while protecting his community, battling a warehouse fire. He left behind his wife and a young daughter. In their darkest hour, Tunnel to Towers provided Arno's wife and daughter with a mortgage-free home. The foundation lifted a financial burden, enabling them to stay in the home where they made memories with their hero. Join Tunnel to Towers on its mission to do good. Support the families of America's greatest heroes, the families of fallen first responders like Jason Arno, plus Gold Star families with young children, catastrophically injured service members, and homeless veterans. Donate $11 a month at T2T.org. That's T, the number 2, T.org. Hey, it's Will Friedle. And Sabrina Bryan. And we're the hosts of the new podcast, Magical Rewind. You may know us from some of your favorite childhood TV movies like My Date with the President's Daughter. And the Cheetah Girls movies. Together, we're sitting down to watch all the movies you grew up with and chat with some of your favorite stars and crew that made these iconic movies happen. So kick back, grab your popcorn, and join us. Listen to Magical Rewind on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. In a straight party line vote, the Senate passed the so-called Inflation Reduction Act a left-wing wish list of climate change and healthcare spending that's unlikely to do anything to curb inflation. I'll take a look at the details and the reaction in tonight's Hold the Line. On this vote, the yeas are 50, the nays are 50. The Senate being equally divided, the Vice President votes in the affirmative, and the bill, as amended, is passed. Welcome to Hold the Lawn. I'm Buck Sexton. They're calling it the Inflation Act, and it's not actually going to do anything good for inflation, so that's a huge misnomer. But they're misdirecting, lying, trying to show people everything that they can in order to confuse, or tell them everything they can to confuse them about what's really going on here. Um, we are in a period where the government has printed too much money, put too much money into circulation, and that has caused inflation, and with that, rising prices and all kinds of economic dislocations and pain that people are feeling right now. And yet the government response to this, instead of saying, wow, we shouldn't do that. 
Perhaps we have a lesson to learn here. They go, you know what? Let's just find a way to try to sell this to the public when we're going to do it anyway and spend more money. They're going to spend more money whether it makes inflation worse or not. They just simply don't care. Uh, and that's why they're passing this 700-page bill without a single Republican vote, of course. And who knows even what's in it? I mean, here's Joe Biden, whom you wonder at any given time, does he even know where he is? Here he is telling people in Kentucky that the new bill will take care of everything from health care to, you know, stuff. Watch. What we're doing today, we passed yesterday, helping take care of everything from health care to God knows what else. Biden doesn't know what else, that's for sure. God knows what else? Not Biden. He has no idea. This is the situation, my friends, we find ourselves in. Biden telling everybody, don't worry, we've got this, but we don't know what it is, so it doesn't really matter, does it? But there are some people even on the left who recognize that this is not actually going to help on inflation. Now, they might have wanted a whole lot more spending, actually, but to call this an inflation bill is just too much. Even the Vermont commie himself, Bernie Sanders, has been willing to speak out on this one and say, look, there's going to be a minimal impact on inflation. Watch. I want to take a moment to say a few words about the so-called Inflation Reduction Act that we are debating uh, this evening. And I say so-called, by the way, because according to the CBO and other economic organizations who have studied this bill, it will, in fact, have a minimal impact on inflation. A minimal impact on inflation. That's a congressional budget office he's citing, which you know, usually Democrats say that that's a pretty authoritative source. But right now, no, you just don't understand. It's awesome. Democrats know they're about to lose power, certainly in the House, hopefully in the Senate. We'll see. And so this is just write the checks while they can. Spend that cash while they have the power. It doesn't matter what the structural effects on the economy and on inflation will be. They want to spend that cash. They've got the credit card in hand and they are going to ring it up at the register with as many goodies for their left-wing interests as they possibly can. This is just who they are. This is how they operate. The benefit of the country, the overall good of our economy, that doesn't, come on. That stuff sounds silly to them. They could care less. And then there are other people out there who know that this is garbage, but they don't want to be honest with the American people about that because then they'll get yelled at by Democrats. I mean, here is San Francisco Fed President Mary Daly saying, yeah, it's kind of hard to know if this bill will add to inflation. So do you think this bill will, will add to inflation? Has inflation peaked? Can you say that? You know, I really can't comment on pending legislation. And it's really hard to tell because all the details haven't been worked out yet yeah. and or the time frame in which those things will take place. So right now, I think you know, the most important thing, Margaret, is that inflation is too high and the labor market is strong. The global economy is struggling with ongoing high inflation. And that's what I'm focused on. Notice how she just tells us a bunch of things that we all know already. Yeah, I can't speak to that. But, you know, inflation bad. Inflation not good. We fix inflation maybe at some point in the future. The end. Well, hold on a second. What is this bill going to do? I don't even really know what's in it. She works at the Fed, folks. The Fed's job is to figure out how to actually handle the San Francisco Fed. Uh, it's, it's, that's the, the whole point of monetary policy, the money supply, is to stop inflation from getting out of control. You would think that people who you had one job and it's this job would want to weigh in a little bit more on it, but no, no. 
They also don't want to come into the bad graces, if you will, of the environmentalist left who know that this is the biggest Green New Deal boondoggle in the history of the country. That's really what this is about. Raising taxes, sicking the IRS on the American people, so then they'll shut up and won't speak out against this idiotic government spending. And oh yeah, that's right, the Green New Deal. Here are the climate change provisions provisions in the bill. There are rebates and tax credits for rooftop solar panels and heat pumps. Tax credit for new and used electric vehicles. Grants to improve energy efficiency and affordable housing. And to lower greenhouse gas emissions by 40% by 2030. First of all, there is no way that they're going to lower emissions 40% by 2030. Okay, just start with that. You, you can, whatever you want to bet, folks, all right, we're talking about eight years from now, 40%, no bleeping way. And, you know, it'll be amazing. The years will pass. You go back, you'll see this clip, you'll say, wow, that Buck Sexton guy, he really knew what was coming, didn't he? Which is not what they say is going to happen. They don't care. It's the same routine with them all the time, the same nonsense, the same lies. This is what they do. This is who they are. And if you don't like it, well, they're going to be adding tens of thousands of government employees with the power to destroy your finances and take away your freedom. The IRS, they want a supercharged, supersized IRS, an IRS on steroids in order to do what exactly? Oh, that's right. Raise revenue. Take more money from you. You're not taxed enough, you see. That's what Democrats believe. Tax you more. Here's Senator Van Hollen saying, you know, yeah, it empowers the IRS to go after people who cheat on their taxes. This is what they're trying to tell you. Sure. We also empowered the IRS to go after wealthy tax cheats uh, so that uh, we collect taxes that are already due and owing uh, from very wealthy people who try to hide their income. Um, and not contribute uh, to the country. So, uh, again, a big day on the climate front, on the health care front, and on the tax reform front. There are a thousand billionaires in the country, friends. You think they're really just going after the very rich people with this 70,000 IRS hires they're going to make? No. No one believes that, right? No one thinks that they're actually telling you the truth. I hope. Maybe there are some people who are so dumb, so foolish, that they think the Democrats on these issues are speaking honestly, but that would be pretty sad because quite obvious that it's not the case. We'll have more on this with senior editor at The Federalist, David Harsanyi, coming up. But first, I want to tell you about a great deal from my friends at My Patriot Supply. Many of you are worried that punishing food shortages are coming. In Europe, farmers are protesting high fertilizer and fuel costs. They're going to cut production. American farmers will likely do the same. When farmers cut production, you get food shortages. And if you don't personally have emergency backup food to get you through the shortages, you may be forced to stand in government food lines to feed your family. Avoid that. You need to go to preparewithbuck.com. You'll find a special offer. You'll save $150 on a three-month supply of emergency food from My Patriot Supply. Each kit has enough food for three solid months per person, providing over 2,000 calories a day to keep your energy up. These kits last up to 25 years in storage. Go to preparewithbuck.com today and save $150 on each three-month kit you require. These kits ship free as well. Food shortages are coming. People really see it. Go to preparewithbuck.com. That's preparewithbuck.com. We'll be right back.
One of the provisions of the Inflation Reduction Act that's receiving a considerable amount of attention is a massive cash infusion for the Internal Revenue Service. The bill would spend more than $79 billion on the IRS over the next 10 years, which is expected to go toward the hiring of about 87,000 new IRS agents, roughly doubling the size of the IRS. Democrats claim that anyone making under $400,000 a year has got nothing to worry about, and the new agents will be tasked with cracking down on wealthy tax evaders, sure. Join me now for more on this, senior editor at The Federalist, David Harsanyi. David, thanks for being with us. Always a pleasure, thank you. Uh, I just gotta say, I'm a little surprised, given that every person that I talk to in life uh, finds the IRS to be uh, intimidating, and finds the tax code to be an intentionally uh, obscure, op opaque, indecipherable uh, absurdity. And yet somehow the Democrats think it's good politics to put the IRS on steroids. They don't think they're going to suffer consequences from this. Well, I think it's the, the biggest expansion of a government agency in the history of the world, right? Basically, I mean, I just don't, I can't really think of any other agency that's expanded like this sixfold, right? <clears throat> as far as its, as its funding goes, and obviously the 87,000 agents. Um, you're right, you know, it's, it's and, and, and more than that, you know, it is opaque. I think it allows agents to essentially audit you for any, you know, to audit anyone, any person who does not have a, uh, an accountant doing their taxes, which typically means rich people, right? So most of these audits are going to be aimed at middle-class people. It's just, it's how it's been in the past. It's how it's going to be in the future. There was an amendment, I forget which Senator tried to attach to the bill that said that the, these new IRS agents would only go after people who were making 400,000 or more. And every single Democrat voted against it because why would they do that if, 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 if the goal of it was simply to go after those who, you know, the rich 1%, percent oh, let, let me ask you about that, David. I mean, why do you think they would do that. Do you think they really believe that only a lot of them are rich, right? So they must know that it's not just rich people that get audited. And in fact, rich people get audited and are able to handle it pretty easily between their accountants and their lawyers. Uh, it's somebody who's, you know, a small business owner making 150, 200 grand. They're the ones who get bullied by the IRS and just end up paying whatever the IRS demands. Yeah, I mean, uh I think the underlying reason for this is that they simply they view the IRS as the you know as the folks who make what they want to do possible. They want the infrastructure set for an IRS that can raise a lot of money whenever it needs to to you know so that they can pretend that they're you know uh, lowering the deficit or they're not spending as much or they're raising more money. They're not raising more money. They're going to be going after a lot of middle class people. Uh, you know. For the for the next for forever, because as you know, whatever they spend is the new baseline. It's not like we're ever going to get lower. The eighty-seven thousand new agents are the new baseline for the IRS. Um, I, I think it's going to backfire, if not this midterm, in the long run, because a lot more people are going to be audited, and this bill gives nothing in general to to normal, you know, everyday Americans. Meanwhile, here here we have White House economic advisor Jared Bernstein saying that. The absence of these 87,000 new IRS agents has basically been like a tax cut. Watch. This is uh, enforcing taxes owed. So this is a way to not just close tax loopholes, but to stave off tax evasion. In my strongly held view, defunding the IRS has been a long-term shadow tax cut for tax evaders. And this president will reverse that 
uh, with this bill that now goes over to the House. Does, does this work? You know, do you, th- do you think this is good politics for them? I, I just have to wonder. I don't know anybody who likes the IRS, but these authoritarian status Democrats are big fans of the IRS. Yeah, make no mistake, use the right word there. It's authoritarian because the IRS does not care about due process. It's an agency that get that that you have to prove innocence to, maybe the only agency that you need to prove innocence to. So they know that uh, you know that because of this complex system Everyone can be a tax evader virtually. They also know, I think, that rich people have lawyers and accountants and they know what they're doing. They park their money in places where they don't have to pay taxes. We have a crazy tax code with tons of ways to evade paying what, you know, you supposedly owe, and that normal people don't have access to the kinds of people to help them do that. So um, it's just about money and power, and it is authoritarian. You have a lot to fear from the IRS, even if you're innocent going doing an audit is a terrible situation for any normal person who doesn't have lawyers and accountants to do it for, you know, to deal with that for them. Here's Senator Chris Murphy, by the way, telling us that the Inflation Act is going to create 9 million jobs. David, watch. The back end great news to all of this is not just that we're going to clean up the climate, but that we're going to create hundreds of thousands of jobs, right? Some country was going to have all the renewable energy and wind turbine jobs. Now we have a shot to create them in the United States. One estimate says um, 9 million jobs in and around renewable energy are going to be created in this country in the next 10 years. That's awesome news. I mean, I know they say this stuff. Does anyone really believe this? Like, I I want to actually have conversations with the people who are stupid enough that they think that this is true. It's, we live in an idiocracy. I mean, you're constantly subjecting me to this guy's nonsense, Chris Murphy. And, uh, you know, it, it annoys me because listening to him make up numbers. I don't know what study he's talking about. I don't know what wind turbine is going to make energy less expensive or what solar panel. We have two, 2% of our portfolios in solar panels. They just, this bill has taxes on coal and natural gas. So I don't know what they're talking about. It's just complete nonsense. It's as nonsensical as the name of the bill itself, which is Orwellian. There is nothing in this bill that lowers inflation. And you notice that none of them even mention inflation, which is supposedly the sole purpose of this bill. These are all just goodies that, that progressives want. And, and they and they passed it. That's fine that we, we have elections and this is what they want to but I don't think there's going to be much political upside to this. But what will happen is it's going to be very hard to, to, to roll back these things, as we saw with Obamacare. Once they pass something, once it becomes part of the, these institutions and, and D.C., it's very hard to, you know, to, to pull back, especially when you have Republicans who are, frankly, quite cowardly when it, com- when it comes to reversing these sorts of, of bills. Do you think that uh, the, the savings they talk about with Medicare, for example, allowing for prescription drug negotiation, uh, are, is that really going to bring the prices down to the degree they say they will and that it will have the savings that it does? I mean, because any time a Democrat is pointing to something as, see, see, look at this good thing we've done, and they're just talking about green investments on the other side without specificity, I get curious. <laughs> I mean, there's no savings in this bill at all. It's it's almost a trillion dollars in spending, uh, which which taxpayers have to pay either today or in the future or through inflation. In some way, it's on the taxpayer. Um, if they believe that price fixing and it and it takes a long time to get into it, which is one reason they get away with it. The government is a massive institute, you know, a massive organization that has huge amounts of power and rent seeking companies are going to want to please them. But once you start price fixing, all you're doing is either these pharmaceutical companies are going to tax 
through you know prices other consumers most other consumers or there's going to be uh they're going to have fewer drugs fewer less money for r&d i mean you know the, the price fixing never works and it's not going to work here either didn't work out well in venezuela about 10 years ago as we've all seen now but you know democrats never learn the lessons david yeah, even with price fixing it doesn't work sorry does not work thanks so much david good to see you you too Police forces across the country continue to face recruitment issues as cops walk off the job in record numbers. I'll take a look at the ongoing crisis in the Buck Brief. First, I want to introduce you to one of my new favorite companies, Sweatblock. Sweatblock's wipes are a total game changer. I mean, do you sweat a lot? Like an embarrassing sweat through your shirt amount? I mean, a lot of sweat going on, right? Well, guess what? Now you can actually do something about it. Sweatblock's products are doctor created and doctor recommended to stop excessive sweating. They even have a dry shirt guarantee. If Sweatblock doesn't keep you dry, you get your money back. And the Sweatblock wipes are practical too. One use works for up to seven days. This is a must-have product for your toiletry bag. They've been featured and tested on the Rachel Ray Show by actual firefighters and have been a bestseller on Amazon for the past 10 years. Try it risk-free today. Wear what you want and stop worrying about sweating through your shirt. If you order through their website, you can get 20% off when you use my promo code. Go to sweatblock.com. Use promo code BUCK for 20% off. Sweat less, live more. We'll be right back with more Hold the Line. As crime continues to be a problem in major cities, law enforcement officers all over the country seem to be leaving the force en masse. A lot of officers are fed up with the defund police movement and democratic policies that make it really hard to do their jobs. So how can this mass exodus be slowed down and how can we make sure we have enough officers on the job to keep our cities running properly and safely? I'll break it down for you in tonight's Buck Brief. So it turns out when you make it impossible for cops to do their jobs, when you tell police officers in places like New York and Los Angeles and Atlanta and Chicago and San Francisco, when you tell them, hey, you're going to arrest somebody, not 10 times, not 50 times, maybe 100 times, and the district attorney is still going to try to find as many ways as possible to let that person off. Turns out cops, that affects their morale. It affects their sense of the jobs that they're doing and why they're showing up every day. When you add to that the BLM movement and the enormous pressure from left-wing activist groups to find all kinds of, uh, of ways, whether it's bringing federal charges even, as recently happened in Louisville, Kentucky, or just putting a lot of political pressure on departments, finding ways to discipline officers, even in circumstances where they're doing their jobs in good faith, trying to keep the public safe. And sometimes just throwing cops to the wolves when they've done nothing wrong, but when the mob of the left demands it. Well, we're seeing what the outcome of this is in many places, but New York City, America's largest uh, local police force, has just had some numbers that are really shocking. Um, here you go, this is according to the New York Post. Ever-growing exodus figures show 2,465 police officers have filed to leave the department this year, 42% more than the 1,731 who exited at the same time last year. Now, that's enormous attrition, all right? And, and everyone needs to understand that a big part of this uh, is that these cops, a, a big part of this rather, is that these cops are leaving their pensions on the table. 
a lot of them are saying they're not even going to wait. They want to get out now. They want to move on to other careers or work in private security or whatever the case may be because they don't want to risk the possibility of getting caught up in the political machinery of one of these departments in one of these Democrat cities. And people who really know the law enforcement community, law enforcement world very well are speaking out about this. I mean, for example, just to take one policy that has just driven cops crazy, ex-NYPD top aide John Miller says bail reform was an atom bomb that set us back a decade. Yeah, that is obvious at this point. When you have people getting arrested and getting let right out, not being held, not having, to be, uh, not having to spend any time in jail before they face a judge, even for very serious crimes, for repeated crimes, they're much more likely to think, yeah, no big deal. And then when they actually do go before a judge because of these progressive prosecutors, they get a slap on the wrist and they get let out. Or maybe they serve you know, 30 days in, in jail or something for their 30th burglary. Guess what? People get fed up with that crap and the cops get fed up with it, which is why they're leaving. Can you blame them? What law enforcement officer right now in a major city in America isn't feeling like he or she is taking risks and for what? Now, of course, the mission still matters, keeping people safe still matters, but the system, the bureaucracy, they don't have your back. And increasingly, that means that there has to be change from the top level. New York City Mayor, uh, New York City Mayor Eric Adams, for example, is saying that New Yorkers want a better system of justice than what they currently have. Watch this. We have a relatively small group of people who are recidivists, and they are exploiting these reforms every day. They're making us unsafe. They're taking advantage of a system that does not adequately account for their criminal records. We acknowledge this, and we must adjust to this. That's the only way we're going to deal with this crisis. New Yorkers demand a higher standard for safety and justice, and we're ignoring the calls of New Yorkers. I promise to listen to those calls as we govern the city and as we protect the city, but we cannot do it alone, and that is what we're doing right now. NYPD is doing their job. They're fulfilling their obligation in the criminal justice system. Every other piece of that system must do their job. Yeah, what he's talking about here are progressive prosecutors, the bail reform push by Democrats at the state legislature. Those are the places where this situation is breaking down. And that's why you have, as he brought up, the recidivists, people that keep committing crime over and over and over again, let back out on the streets to commit more crimes. It's completely insane. And people have had enough. It's not just in New York, by the way. From Philadelphia to Portland to Los Angeles, killings and gun violence are rising at the same time officers worn out by the pandemic and disillusioned over the calls to divest from policing that followed George Floyd's murder are quitting or retiring faster than they can be replaced. Cops all over the country are leaving their jobs. Still, it hasn't stopped, folks. The attrition has not stopped because the changes have not been made within the bureaucracy, because the progressive prosecutors are still standing in the way of sane criminal justice action. It's outrageous, outrageous what we are seeing here. But this is what they continue to do. By the way, this is just one example. CNN reporting on the Kansas City Police Department. The people who work here are working long hours, extra overtime to cover other shifts. But we have to have someone answering the call. We have to have someone dispatching. Otherwise, we can't get officers to people. It's critical. 
So they're stretched thin. And that means they're going to be less effective in the jobs that they're doing because they don't have the resources, but they don't have the personnel. Personnel is the most important resource you have in law enforcement. Why are we here? Because of Democrats, because they're bad ideas, because a lot of people like Nancy Pelosi uh, think that they get votes and power and virtue signaling points for just saying, oh, the system is so racist, the system is so racist. How? Let's fix the racism in the system. Letting everybody out of prison who commits crimes is not fixing racism. How do we fix the racism in the system? Let's look at that specifically. I want to hear precisely what they want to do. Not speaking in these general terms so that they can just pretend to care about the problem, pretend to care about minority communities in this country, which is what Democrats do all the time. No, instead they allow things to get more and more dangerous, people to suffer, and the numbers of those who are preyed upon by these recidivist criminals, disproportionately, by the way, minorities are the ones that are being, uh, that are being victimized by these recidivists. They never talk about that in these Democrat circles, but they don't want to fix it. They don't want to fix it because they have to admit that they were wrong. By the way, just another one. Here you go. Cleveland. One out of every four Cleveland police officers has left the job during the pandemic. Massive attrition from our police departments, and we all know why. All right, coming up, uh, ceasefire is holding between Israelis and Palestinian militants in Gaza after days of bloodshed. We'll have more on that with the publisher of the New York Sun, David Ifun, in a moment. First, I want to talk to you about protecting your online data. A lot of companies promise your privacy is guaranteed, but we know that's not true. That's why you need a new privacy and cybersecurity application tool called Secure. It's spelled S-E-K-U-R. Secure is using proprietary encryption and offering secure instant messaging and email. With Secure, all of your communication is based on servers and data centers hosted in Switzerland without using any of the big tech platforms. Privacy is a big issue now. Without real security, people can read your emails, messages, even your bank information. Secure will never mind your data and never ask for your phone number. You can send emails to your doctor, banker, lawyer, or anyone else with total confidence you're not being spied on by your internet provider or big tech. Secure is your solution to stop the theft of your digital identity. It costs only $5 for the messenger, only $10 for the messenger and email combination package. Go to secure.com and take back your privacy today. That's S-E-K-U-R.com. And use promo code BUCK for 25% off. David Foon stops by in a moment. Stay with us. After a weekend of violence, a ceasefire between Israel and the Islamic Jihad military group in Gaza appears to be holding. According to CNN, at least 44 Palestinians, including 15 children and some militants, were killed in the violence, and this is from Palestinian officials. Of course, the information from Palestinian officials is not always very reliable. So will the ceasefire hold? Will tempers flare between the two sides again soon? What is going on in the Middle East right now? Joining me now to discuss, publisher of the New York Sun, David Ifun. David, good to see you. Always a pleasure, Buck. So this just was one of these stories that all of a sudden over the weekend people were seeing uh, and it's sort of getting international attention. Can you just bring us up to speed? What led up to this? What happened? What, what's been going on? Well, look, as, as your listeners will be aware, Israel is in the unfortunate position of having a neighbor that is run by a terror group, various terror groups right on its southern border. And from time to time, the, those terrorists, you know, see benefit in instigating war with Israel, start firing rockets, 
Uh, sometimes it's a matter of gaining leverage, sometimes it's ideological, and Israel is forced to respond to that to protect its citizens. It's on the southern border, but also lately with more advanced rockets, the terror groups able to fire on Tel Aviv and Jerusalem. So, you know, this has been going on for some time. Israel pulled out of Gaza in 2005. I was actually there in person when it happened. And since that time, terror groups have gained control of that land, and Israel has had to face this on a more or less frequent basis. Now, I've now directed coverage of four different wars over the years that Israel has has faced in Gaza. So this was really the latest flare-up, although I would say this one seems to have been handled more effectively by the Israelis than any of the others in the past. Here's a statement from the Israel Defense Forces on these airstrikes. After days of escalating threats from Islamic Jihad in Gaza, a terrorist organization that has committed hundreds of attacks against Israel in the past, we launched a preventative military operation targeted top Islamic Jihad commanders, took out dozens of Islamic Jihad military targets, defended Israeli civilians from rocket attacks, and acted to ensure minimum civilian, or minimal civilian casualties. So at this stage, David, does it seem as the, does it seem as the IDF strikes uh, have been effective at stopping the, the imminent threat? Yeah, I mean, this one, out of any other conflict that Israel's had in Gaza, it seems like the Israelis have come out on top in a very significant way. They were very uh, effectively able to use the wedge, first of all, between the various terror groups in Gaza. That's Iran-backed Palestinian Islamic Jihad and then Hamas, which is the larger terror group. They were also able to leverage you know, allies in Egypt and other countries in the region through the Abraham Accords and other accords to put pressure on Islamic Jihad. But more than that, the military campaign was incredibly effective. I mean, they eliminated top Islamic Jihad leaders almost immediately. The intelligence was superb. The Iron Dome performed better than it's ever performed before. And more importantly, in the information battleground, they were more effective. I mean, you pointed to a CNN story right there about casualties. I mean, one of the, the incredible things that Israel's dealt with over the years is that a very large percentage of rockets that are fired from Gaza land in Gaza and kill Gazan people, innocents and children. And those deaths are almost always inevitably blamed on Israel. But what Israel has learned to do in this battle done so more effectively is to prevent evidence in present evidence in real time of the Islamic Jihad crimes. So there, you, you know, that report mentioned the deaths of some children, which is always unfortunate. But those children were killed by Islamic Jihad rockets that fell short and landed in Gaza. And the IDF was able to show through satellite imagery, through radar technology, exactly the trajectory of those rockets fired from Gaza, landed in Gaza, landed on those civilian targets, killed those civilians. Palestinian Islamic Jihad is responsible. David, I wanted you to react to this. An Al Jazeera contributor explaining why he thinks the ceasefire is not going to last. Watch. This is going to happen again. I can't tell you if it's going to be in a day, a week, a month, or a year. But it's going to keep happening because Israel enjoys total impunity uh, for its crimes against the Palestinian people, and not just impunity, but full and active support. I mean, this is a narrative that you hear on the left a lot in this country, too, that even when Israel is being attacked by a terrorist group, it is, it is always Israel's fault. Uh, to, the, to the idea that he has that this is going to keep happening, what do you say to that? And then, of course, on the side of why does this keep happening? Yeah, I mean, that fellow Ali Abu Nimer is a well-known uh, anti-Semite and Hamas sympathizer. I'm sure if he lived in Gaza, he would be the guy firing those rockets, to be frank. 
Um, so look, he's he's an agitator and he's looking for more conflict. I'm not surprised by that at all. Uh, what is surprising to me is that you know when in this particular instance there is clear evidence that children were killed by Palestinian Islamic Jihad, he has absolutely nothing to say. You know, interestingly, it's the same with AOC. It's the same with Ilhan Omar. It's the same with Rashida Tlaib. When they can point the fingers at a at a Jewish state, you know, they're very happy to jump on board and jump up and down and and throw the accusations around. But when the perpetrator of these heinous crimes are groups that they are effectively allied with, ideologically allied with, all of a sudden we're seeing stunned silence. So it's sure there is going to be further conflict as long as that region is controlled by a terrorist group, uh, which an authoritarian terrorist group that wants nothing more than the elimination of the Jewish state. You know, today, just hours ago, you had an appeal from Israel's prime minister to the people of Gaza saying, you know, we have your best interests at heart. You've seen how we're able to make peace with other Arab countries in the region. If you care about your children, if you care about their future, come to the table with us and let's figure out a better future together. But first and foremost, that's going to involve shaking off those shackles and that leadership that runs the, the, the Gaza Strip right now, Hamas and Islamic Jihad, internationally recognized terror groups. The Foreign Ministry of Moscow released a statement on the situation with Israel's decision to launch the uh, airstrikes. This is what the Moscow Foreign Ministry had to say. The Israeli Air Force attacks on the Gaza Strip on Friday led to a new phase in the escalation of tension that threatens to turn into a large-scale military confrontation and deterioration of the humanitarian situation in the Gaza Strip, which is already very bad. Surprising at all, David, that Russia comes down on the side of the terrorist group here, or is that what your expectations would be based on relations in the region? I'm not surprised at all. And you see this sort of uh, emerging, you know, ideological axis among all of the world's worst actors. You know, the best example of this is actually a CNN interview over the weekend with Roger Waters, who's the... uh, former Pink Floyd bassist. And he, you know, he's been a huge critic of Israel and, and very aggressively so over the years. And you know, he's been accused of, of, of anti-Semitism on a number of occasions. Um, but you hear him talking about how Taiwan is part of China, how the US is aggravating on behalf of, you, of Ukraine and exacerbating the conflict. I mean, yes, there's a lot of alignment there. There's Russia, there's China, there's Iran, there's Palestinian terror groups. You know, you see a lot of overlap. These these folks are all on the same team, and it is not the team of the United States. It's not the team of democracy. It's not the team of free countries and and uh, moral and, and and ethical movements around the world. David, always appreciate the expertise, sir. Thanks for being with us. Always a pleasure, bud. President Trump responds to claims that he tried to overpower Secret Service agents while driving back to the White House on January 6th. We will have the video for you on that one back in uh, Quick Hits coming up here. Stay with us. Former President Trump mocks claims that he tried to physically overpower Secret Service agents on January 6th. And even CNN is now saying that revelations about Hunter Biden could pose a problem for the president. Those stories and quick hits. Let's jump into it together, friends. Look, they lie about Trump all the time. You know that, I know that. And this is just who they are. This is how they do things. But some of the lies they tell about Trump, it's not even a question of what you think of Donald Trump. They're so reckless and so stupid. The lies are so absurd that it's impossible really to believe them. They, they, they can't actually think what they're saying is true, but they say it anyway. 
And here's an example of it. You remember there was that testimony from a, a woman who worked in the White House who had heard from somebody else that Donald Trump tried to overpower Secret Service agents in his own motorcade so he could take control of the wheel and drive the presidential limousine back to the Capitol on January 6th. Here's Trump talking about that. Watch. How about that phony story? I'm sitting in the back of the beast. I wasn't sure if I should be honored because I felt very strong. And I had these two big, strong Secret Service guys. If one guy could lift 350 pounds, no problem. And I said, take me to the Capitol. No, sir, can't do it. So I grabbed the steering wheel, the commandant. And he rebuffed me, she said. He rebuffed. Interesting word. He rebuffed me. Yeah, like this. He rebuffed me. So my hands fell around another powerful guy, strong as hell. I know these people. These are very strong people. It's just not my deal. And I started to choke him. I felt, you know, when, so when the story came out, some people said, I never knew you were that strong physically. There you go. It's such a dumb story, isn't it? I mean, the fact that they thought people would believe this, but it doesn't matter. They'll make up any story about Trump. As long as it attacks him, the libs are happy with it. But here's a problem the libs may have to face. Uh, they lied to you. The Democrat corporate media lied to you about the Hunter Biden laptop being disinformation. They had over 50 former senior intelligence officers, morons. I was a former intelligence officer. Somehow I knew that the Hunter Biden laptop wasn't fake. Why is that? CNN's Brian Stelter. I think because CNN no longer really has a purpose or an audience, so they're trying to figure out something, maybe telling the truth occasionally may help them. So CNN's Brian Stelter is now finally, almost two years, admitting that President Biden could be in trouble because of the Hunter Biden case, the laptop, and all of that. Watch. The week he just had and those wins that he racked up while he had COVID, I don't see, I don't see why he wouldn't run. I haven't heard the son? reason why. What about Hunter? Hunter under federal investigation. Charges could be coming at any time. This is not just a right-wing media story. This is a real problem mm -hmm. for the Bidens. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's a real problem for the Bidens, you don't say. I thought it was all just, you know, nonsense and right-wing fear-mongering or conspiracies or whatever. See, the thing that, the, the great advantage that the libs have in the media is that they have no integrity. So that means that they can just do whatever they want all the time because there's nothing to protect. Just make it up as you go along. Skateboarder Taylor Silverman says it's important to oppose the Biden administration's proposed changes to Title IX that would allow biological males to compete in women's sports. Watch this before it gets taken off the internet. So where do you think all this is headed? What are, what are some solutions that you would give to not only policymakers, what are, what are actions that people in this audience could take to do to, uh, to, to try to correct the wrong that the woke organizations like the NCAA are imposing on, on young girls who just want to compete? I think it's really important that we oppose the Biden administration's proposed changes to Title IX that would include gender no. identity and allow males to compete in women's sports. And, and also use your voices, join your school board, speak up, don't be afraid to speak up for your kids because if you don't, somebody else will use their voice and say that you feel a way you don't. It makes a very important point here. You either engage or the other side continues to get their way because they are engaged. 
this is how they've managed to, in so many schools across the country, push the trans agenda on, you know, five and six-year-olds. They are engaged. So we can either cede the battlefield of ideas to the other side, or we can get into the fight by doing things like watching this show. That's it for tonight's Hold the Line. The No Spin News with Bill O'Reilly is next. Shields high. Born on America's darkest day of 9-11, the Tunnel to Towers Foundation has been helping America's heroes ever since. When a first responder or military service member doesn't come home and young children are left behind, Tunnel to Towers pays the mortgage on the family home to lift the financial burden. For severely injured veterans and first responders, Tunnel to Towers builds mortgage-free smart homes, enabling severely injured heroes to move around their homes more independently. Through the Foundation's Homeless Veteran Program, Tunnel to Towers is providing housing and services to homeless veterans. More than 3,300 were helped last year alone. Because all veterans who honorably served, whether in peacetime or war, deserve our nation's gratitude. People who put their lives on the line for our country and our communities need your help now more than ever. Join Tunnel to Towers on its mission to do good and never forget 9-11 or the sacrifices of this country's heroes. Donate $11 a month at T2T.org. That's T2T.org. From original art and diplomas to ticket stubs and the keys to your first home, we all have mementos we'd love to put on display. FrameBridge is the easy and affordable way to custom frame just about anything, with fair upfront pricing based on the size of your item and fast, free shipping. Plus, your happiness is guaranteed. See why FrameBridge has been trusted to frame over 2 million pieces. Visit FrameBridge.com or a local FrameBridge store to get started. That's FrameBridge.com. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie. Because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.